0: Welcome to the Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast, brought to you by Ibanez Guitars and Basses. Ibanez strives to make high-quality, cutting-edge musical instruments that any musician can afford and enjoy. Visit Ibanez.com for more info. And now your hosts, Joey Sturges, Joel Wanasek, and Al Levy.
1: Welcome to the Joey Sturges Forum Podcast. Tips and Tricks special episode. Today we're talking about vocals, and uh, we've seen a lot of chatter on the Private Producers Club, people talking about different things uh, with vocals related, and I know you guys have a lot of questions out there, so hopefully this episode can help you out. You should listen to this episode if you're struggling with vocal techniques in terms of production, vocal mixing, and vocal editing, and we're going to try and cover a little broad range of all three of those topics and vocal topics in general. To kind of help you guys out with that. So uh, the first thing, obviously, with vocals is the recording process, right?
0: Oh yeah, the vocalist
1: himself. Capturing the vocals. So what do you guys do to start with when... You know what's the first thing you do? You walk in the room. You're you've got the song queued up. And the guy's standing in front of the microphone. What do you do?
0: Okay, so you're assuming that I'm already set up. We already chose the microphone. We already chose the preamp. We already treated the area. Like the first thing I do is I make him just kind of take a little bit of a warm up round through the song. I need to know what's going on.
1: There's a lot of good points about a warm up round. First point for me, for my brain, is how loud are you going to be and how quiet are you going to be? Because I want to know how to set my preamp.
0: Very important. Yeah, how's his headphone mix? That's another thing that's huge. Like, does he know the material? Like, are we going to be able to get longer takes or we're going to need to do this word by word. Like, And also just the fact that he's getting warmed up. Because even if he does vocal warm-ups on his own, it's still not the same as going through the material a few times. Absolutely. You can
2: also hear the problem areas of the singer. For example, maybe they're very sibilant, for example, or they struggle with certain dictation on particular words. So you can really use that as a time to kind of analyze what problems you're going to have and predict and say, hey, when you hit that part, don't screw this up, don't do this, blah, blah, blah. Try doing it like this.
1: If you did not start out with a mic shootout, you're probably going to immediately hear if you chose the wrong mic or not uh, during this warm-up round. And that should be an indicator of, hey, maybe I should ch- try a different microphone or maybe he's getting too close to the mic, the pop filter is not working right or something. If there's a problem don't be lazy, you know, fix that stuff because this so That's
0: the time to fix yeah, it. Yeah,
1: cuz this is going to layer up. You're going to if if you do vocals like I do, it, the problems will escalate from here. So fix it, you know, before it gets too too far.
0: Now, one thing I was wondering about is how do you guys go about giving the guy a headphone mix cuz I've used the hearback units which I think are beyond the The price range for a lot of the guys listening to this. And for anyone not familiar, Hearback Unit is one of those units where you pipe the music out to a personal mixer and then the vocalist or the drummer whoever's getting it can make their own personal mix. And that way I don't have to hear the same thing as the vocalist and he can have any weird version that makes him feel the best. You're so generous. How do you guys do that? I don't. (laughs) So what do you guys do? Punish them.
1: (laughs) Same thing here. Yeah, I mean, Cubase is kind of, lends itself to be that way because I guess it is a little bit cumbersome to set those kind of things up in Cubase. Most people with a Cubase rig don't really have it properly. I mean, you can do it. It's definitely there. Um, And I would imagine people that have like, buildings that, that don't do a lot of multitasking and then just straight-up record records and uh, probably have it set up properly.
0: But Real quick, it's actually really, really easy. All you do is send stuff out to a output on your thing, on your interface or your converters, and, and then that goes to the hearback unit, and that's it. Done. Super easy.
1: What I've done is I've always made a special mix. Usually I have to kind of just guess what it's going to be, but sometimes I'll ask. And occasionally I'll get a person who knows what, you know, they'll be like, I don't like the guitars are very loud. And I'll be like, oh, okay. Didn't know that. So thanks for telling me that because I'll turn the guitars down. Uh, I'll make a special mix just for the vocalist and I'll bounce it down as a stereo file so that the only thing in my session is the one track of the, the bounce down of the vocalist's favorite mix and then tons and tons and tons of vocal tracks And I'll just bear through it with them. If they like to hear it bass heavy or or guitar heavy or whatever, I'll just deal with it. Uh, It doesn't bother me. I'm mostly focused on the vocals anyway. I do it pretty similar to that too.
2: I mean, I don't give them any reverbs or anything like that, even if they ask, because I really just want to hear and have them hear what's exactly coming out of their mouth. And if there's a bunch of effects on it, it kind of gives you that feeling. I, I guess there's some psychology with that, but I, I like to mess with people a little bit and kind of throw them out of balance. I should say that I am for getting a really awesome vibe. And depending on the song, the, the first thing I'll do is I'll go in and really try to work out a vibe. So if, if it's a fun song or something really upbeat, I'll make jokes and we'll have fun. If it's kind of sad and depressing, like I'll bring the mood down and talk a little bit slower and... You know, kind of set that sort of tone. But after that stuff, when that vocalist is doing that first pass, I'll always ask them, hey, how does it sound in your headphone mix? You need them louder, quieter, having a hard time hearing? Do you want more guitars, bass? And then we just kind of do a little bit of a tweak and then we record the song and never think about it again.
0: I think no matter how you get their headphone mix, whether you are using Hearback or you're doing it within your own computer, uh... The most important thing is that they feel like they're on stage in front of 10,000 people, I think. They just got to feel great. They got to feel comfortable. They have to feel like the song is slamming or, you know, whatever the song is supposed to be. They just have to be able to put on those headphones and, like, be inspired to perform over it. And if you take care of that, your performances will be orders of magnitude better. And that right there will solve a lot of problems I
1: think the producer that grumbles over comments on the mix from a vocalist is the guy that doesn't realize that it's hurting his own like what he you know what you're requesting of the vocalist if you want the vocalist to to be stoked and give you like the best performance of their life then they've got to be stoked about what they're hearing so if they're telling you like dude this snare drum sounds whack like you better change it man <laughs> And I know there's guys out there that are just like, come on, you know, so... Take it seriously. I think it's something that's very important.
2: Yeah, it's very important too to gauge the vocalist psychologically. And especially if it's the first time you've worked with a band, you know, you wanna go outside and, you know, if the guy smokes, have a cigarette with them and just BS a little bit and ask questions and figure out what they're, you know, maybe like playing video games. So talk about video games for 10 minutes. Just find something that they like that's interesting that gets them all fired up and excited. And then walk into the booth and, you know, you have that little bit of rapport and connection and they're gonna trust you and they're gonna feel good about working with you. And then you can let the magic flow.
1: Now, the next step in this, you know, I think is, uh, this is another common question we get a lot is, you know, should I double my vocal? Should I triple my vocal? And this is kind of the speaking to the next step after you've recorded it. So here's what I think, you know, I, I think when you are listening to the vocalist perform and they're doing the part that they wrote for this part in the song, you should really analyze how you feel about it and you should really hold your standards high. And I think this is where the start of everything's sort of avalanches is from is when I hear somebody sing me the part that they wrote for this song and they sing it for me into the mic and I listen to it, I'm going most of the time. I'm like, really? That's, that's all like, that's, is that it? That's all that's going to be here that's boring, you know, and, uh, that just comes from having a high standard. And, and I don't mean to be, you know, don't, don't be like a snob about it, but definitely open your mind to the fact that you should not just be complacent and don't just accept everything that comes down that microphone.
0: Also, one thing that people might encounter if they're not well-known producers yet is resistance. And all, by the way, well known producers also encounter resistance. Absolutely, but yeah. the best way, in my opinion, especially with vocalists, to overcome resistance, like for instance, one of the issues that happens all the time in genres that I've recorded is that there's too many words. Just like start to finish, just like a wall of words, never ending, no differentiation between the parts, just one long run-on sentence of just brutality and that that doesn't that doesn't make for a good song and so if you start cutting that up sometimes you're going to get a vocalist who feels like you're impeding on the meaning of the song or on their voice you know their artistic voice i don't mean their uh, physical voice right. and your skills will really show if you take what they wrote and keep the meaning intact But change it to where they like it better, but it doesn't alter anything at all. And the best way to get them to not resist is to show them a better way to do it. Rather than argue, there's something to be said for actually having a result that's listenable. That kind of solves all arguments about music.
2: Yeah, definitely. Well, let's talk about... Editing and layering, because I think that's really important. I see a lot of people ask about that on the boards.
1: Let's separate the two uh, editing wise.
2: Layering first, just tracking, because I want to make a point about that. Then we'll talk about editing. What I wanted to say about layering, and I'm sure you guys will have something to say too, is that I think it's really important. And I see this question all the time on the forums. People are like, hey, I've got this rock vocalist. What should I do on the chorus? Well, you have to find something that you think sounds awesome. It's really important to listen to the song and be like, okay, I'm in the verse. What words need dubs? What parts need harmonies? Like, the producer and you should intrinsically speak and come through and just be like I want to hear that word it sounds really awesome like what if we had a gang vocal behind it and doubled the vocal a couple of times for impact and then that part should be mono and then we should do you know a filtered flanger lo-fi thing on this voice and then okay we're going to get to the chorus and it's got to be huge and poppy so we're going to triple the vocals we're going to run two octaves on the side and then we're going to do a high optic up the center and then maybe a pair of stereo split harmonies or something like that so the song is really going to dictate the production and it's really important I think as a Producer to sit down and listen to the genres of music that you are trying to compete in and figure out what types of vocal production. And if you sit there with a pair of headphones and a notepad, you can be like, okay, we're doing genre X. And on the choruses right now on the radio, for example, they're doing this, this, and this, and this. So that's a pretty good indication of how to get a chorus really huge. I hear low vocals, I hear middle vocals, I hear tripled vocals and side vocals, or maybe it's just a single mono vocal, for a vocal, for example. So it's really important to just kind of take notes and then kind of put your own twist on it and figure out what is right for the song.
1: Until you've heard something like a chorus that, that is very produced and has a lot of layering, until you've heard that broken down into individual parts, I think on first listen, it just sounds like magic. And a lot of new guys coming up don't have that ear to hear that, oh yeah, I can hear that there's like two doubles in there, three harmonies, a low octave. Like Those are the kind of things that I think are hard to pick out at first until you start to hear it uh, broken up into little pieces. And hopefully you get an opportunity to do that soon if you haven't yet. But uh, for me, I know that I can listen to the vocalist just singing the regular main part, And instantly my brain just tells me, like, this is exactly what you need to do. You need to add this harmony here, add this double there, layer this with these two things, and it'll sound exactly how you want it. I think that intuition comes from just working on a lot of material. And this is part of the the thing where we say don't spend too long on one song because it is just one song and that will limit your palate and your ability to branch out and and try new things and discover new things as well.
2: And that's really important. I'll reiterate that you need to try things. So, you know, if you don't know what a Octave sounds like up the center, then record one and listen to it, then record two more and hear it split left and right, you know, behind a set of harmonies or something. Just try a bunch of different combinations and feel free to experiment and you'll know right away what you like
0: and what you don't like. And also what the capabilities of the vocalist even are.
2: Yeah, which is very important for how many layers you can do. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And if you are spending all night on doubling harmonies because it's so hard for the vocalist to remember what the harmony is or per even perform it because it's so high or something like that. That might not be the right direction for that band, you know, because that's just something that's, if there's a lot of resistance and it's not, uh, you know, it's physical resistance, then you really should be responsible and not push the person to a point that they're not comfortable reaching.
0: How have you guys dealt with um, vocalists that have physical limitations, like they crap out after 30 minutes or you know they they just don't have the stamina
1: you might not like my response but i always baby the vocalist If if the person
0: Oh I like that response That's what I do too <laughs> I, I don't think
1: yeah. I don't think Joel's gonna like it But I, I always I baby the vocalist too do Sometimes
2: you... I whoop their ass But it depends if they have The right personality To take that Because not everybody responds well Some people respond well to it Like Quit being small time And they're like Okay I'm gonna show this dude Watch this And then they belt it out But some people If you do that They go into a little bit Of a shell and cry So you gotta gauge the person And you have to know Who you're dealing with And how they're gonna react to
1: it Yeah and I I always am very mindful of the fact that what i'm what i'm requesting from the vocalist has to be you know potentially possible if like if i notice they're starting to go downhill performance wise it's stupid of me it's counterintuitive and counterproductive of me to ask them to keep going because it's just going to keep getting worse it's a end of the day it's the human body uh can only go so far before it you know, changes the sound and and the performance starts to suffer. So I always make sure to keep in mind if I really want this song to turn out good and I want these vocals to sound great, I need to stop right now. That's the best decision for what I should do now to get these vocals perfect. And um, yeah.
2: It is so much better to stop and rest a vocalist that's kind of starting to get hoarse or parched in the throat than it is to keep pushing them. Because the next day, if you push them too far, they'll be gone. And then they could be shot for two or three days and then all of a sudden a week. Or longer. Yeah, or blow out their voice and then they're out for three months and then they come back after rehab and they're terrible. So it's just, I think that's amazing advice, Joey. And it's so important because I've seen it happen so many times. So as soon as a vocalist is like, hey, I'm getting a little bit eh, and you should ask them too, like, Hey, how's your voice holding up every 20, 30 minutes? They say, you know, I'm starting to get a little rough and just stop and work on something yeah, else. We're done. It's not worth it.
1: And there's not always a magic serum or potion or drink or technique or Nothing can save you from the downhill spiral that can occur when it starts. So don't just be like, let's take a break. Let's drink some tea. Let's, uh, you know, let's smoke less cigarettes tomorrow. Like That's not going to help you very much.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. When you start to notice the decline, you stop right then and there. Absolutely. The tea and all that stuff, all that does is when the vocalist is feeling good, It extends their ability to stay in the good zone, but once they've already passed that and gone into that zone where they're starting to deteriorate, the T's not going to help. Absolutely. you got to cut things off before they get to that point.
2: So how tightly do you guys edit your layers? Because I know, Joey, you love to do tons of vocal production, and I'm kind of like you. No matter what genre I'm producing, most of the time, if it's appropriate, I'll approach it like a pop song, and I will do a ton of quote, unnecessary layers, and even if they're very quiet in the mix, they just add that extra bit of polish. But I think it's really important to talk about the editing, because this is something I see a lot on the mixing side, is I get tracks, and I'm like, why do I have a 10 stack of vocals here, but the S's and the T's don't line up, and they don't start and edit at the same time, and it sounds like absolute (laughs) dog shit when I start compressing and EQing them. How am I going to make this sound good? <laughs> here's,
1: <laughs> Yeah, uh, here's how I feel about that, man. If you're going to go about layering it to a point where it's there's so many layers and the S's and T's really matter, you got to at least do a good job and get those lined up because it really doesn't make sense to go that far with the layering but then have the editing be sloppy. How are you going to be like, oh, man, this is going to sound great when we layer it up and then not even get the edits close enough To even be pleasing to listen to.
2: Do you guys ever cut the S's and T's out on some of the dubs if it's too much? For example, a really sibilant vocalist, you know, it would be like, you know, sometimes you got to get rid of that nonsense on the dubs
1: for sure. Yep. Yep. That is uh, something I've done. I've also automated out. If I don't want to necessarily cut it completely, I might do a little tiny automation volume dip to kind of just get it out of there and get it out of the way for a quick second and put it right back up to the normal volume. I got a funny story
2: about that, but go ahead finish.
1: I was just going to say, as far as to answer your original question about how tightly I edit them, I would say that I try to get it as close as freaking possible.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I do mine like stupidly perfect. All right. So funny story time. I had a record where I had a ridiculous amount of layering on it and really awesome singer with incredible endurance and just great tone. And I went to town with him cause he just was a great singer and we had an amazing synergy. So I sent him his live tracks and he freaked out. He was like, he wanted to track all the harmonies and things like he's like, I don't understand. Like I sound stupid when I'm singing. Like there's no S's and T's on any of my harmonies. And it sounds really weird. And I'm like, Oh shit. (laughs) That's because I cut them all out because, uh, you know, when it came time to mix, he was a little sibilant and I had to pull that all out, but it made more sense to just have it on the mono vocal up the middle and it carried it for all the rest of the harmonies. And you couldn't tell in the mix and it sounded way better. So he freaked out. He called me like screaming like, dude, what's up with my vocals? What did you do to my voice? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. Sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's a perfect example of uh, something we've talked about before, which is, you know, don't assume that something that you're going to do is going to gel well with the artist. And, and this is something that I always tell my guys that I train, you know, I'm saying like, hey, you know, if you remove like all the breaths from a vocal performance, that's actually disrespectful. That's ac- I hate that. That is actually like slapping the vocalist in the face and saying, I don't want the audience to hear you breathing in the mic. Like, what kind of bullshit attitude is that? Now, <laughs> that's not always the right way to go about it, though, right? There are situations where you do need to remove the the breaths. Now, this is the, the second part to this is the communication. Always know who you're working for and what their expectation is. Because if they trust you and they know that you're going to remove a, a breath wherever you need to, then that's great. That's a perfect relation, That's a perfect situation to do it.
2: Absolutely. I think that's great. It reminds me of another story. I guess I'm just full of stories today, but I had a rapper in once many years ago and he was like, he came back and his only mixed revision was, I need you to duck every single breath in the song. And I just turned around I'm like, dude, are you out of your freaking mind? Like, is there a brain on that head? Why would you want to sound like a robot? You sound silly. And he wasn't like T painting his voice and auto tuning it where he sounded, you know, like a, he was actually, you know, singing and rapping, but he made me duck every single breath to the point where where is nearly inaudible. And it sounded so awkward. It was just the weirdest delivery I've ever heard in a song. And then he came back like three weeks later. He's like, dude, can you bring all the breaths back up? And I'm just like, <laughs> I will kill. So it was, it was rough. Very rough.
0: That's a lot of breaths.
2: <laughs> <laughs> definitely. It was it was a few hundred of them per song. And it was like five or six songs.
0: I'm going to just agree with what you guys are saying. But, I mean, you guys covered it, but I'm just going to say I agree. Uh, you're slapping an artist in the face if uh, you just assume that they want their breath removed. <laughs> or not. You know, it, it should definitely be... Uh, whatever serves the artist or the music the best. Yeah,
1: and and it could be you know, it's not always a one, a singular direction. For example, the song "Photographs" by Nickelback has zero breaths in it. You should listen to it sometime and kind of want and uh, listen to that in amazement. Probably never noticed that before, but if you listen to that song, there's not a single breath anywhere in the song. Then you listen to the next Nickelback song on that record, and there's breaths in there. So not always a a totalitarian uh, point of view and just know who you're working for and what your expectations are. If you guys are still struggling with layering vocals, I want you guys to just experiment. Don't be afraid to try stuff. And if you're not sure how to mix those layers, I would also say experiment. But I think there's a couple of things that we can maybe give these guys in terms of what to do with doubles and triples and what to do with harmonies. So I get asked about that all the time. How about you Joel? How do you handle doubles?
2: Well, it depends what kind of sound I want, but generally I'm one of those weirdos that likes to take their doubled vocals and run them in dual mono at equal volume or maybe one is like minus 2 to 4, but usually equal volume and I run them into the same compressor, EQ chain, etc. as if they were a mono vocal. And to me that's what I would call like the 2000s radio rock song like sound not song, sorry. You have like the really wet sounding vocal and it's something that works great with like male singers, especially gritty vocals or screamers, I love a doubled voice, dual mono up the center. Now, I know you like to stereo split your vocals on your dubs, don't
1: you, Joey? Yeah. And it's not always, though. There are times where I like to have that singular double, and what I mean by that is there's a main vocal and then another take underneath of it, and then run that through a chorus or some kind of artificial stereo widener because it has a different sound to it and I compare the sound. I'll, I'll have the vocalist do two and then I'll listen to the difference of the main and the center and the two unique takes left and right and then sometimes I will duplicate one of the doubles and put it in its own center track and mute the left and right channels just so I have a comparison and just see what it sounds like just to have the singular double because sometimes it's a little tighter. I prefer to have that That tightness, and I like to test myself to see, you know, how easy is it for the vocalist to double himself? How hard is it going to create for the editing problem? Are are, am I going to have to edit tons more vocals, and is it going to be difficult to make those edits if I do two doubles for every single main vocal line? So I take that into consideration, and then in terms of mixing it, I like to have a compressor on every single take because every single take is a little different and I don't want the compressor reacting to a bunch of voices going into a singular compressor. I want the r- compressor to react to a singular voice. And I will do unique EQ per take. Except I'll do the if, if I have two doubles, I'll do the same EQ settings on both just so it's not wacky. But my main vocals tend to have a lot more trouble than my doubles and my doubles ha- tend to have a lot less bass than my main. I don't know if you guys do that too.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Well, one thing I'll also say is that the weaker, like, especially with screams, the weaker the vocalist, the more I'll uh, layer them. Oh, yeah, totally. And I don't mean different sounding layers, I mean layers of the same lead part. You know, if it's a shitty screamer, then you better believe there's going to be four to six doubles and layers of just the main line. And if there's a backup line or a layered a tonal layer to that like say that we've got highs and lows at the same time i'm going to layer up the highs like four times and then the lows like four times because at least in my experience that's the best way to make a bad screamer sound better it's make him is uh get as much of him as possible so that you can't hear the individual problems
2: i think that's like the best trick you can possibly do for a really crappy screamer is just double them because you know that's how you get that thickness and if they can't bring it from power you have to simulate that so i'm absolutely in love with that technique i think it's great
0: well the good ones can just do it like they just sound great so you can get your man in a double and you're good to go uh, unless if you want more for a particular type of part but with a shitty screamer since they can't do it since they don't sound like the voice right out the gate you have to create a voice for them in a way
2: Well, let's touch on uh, vocal harmonies. I'll start out real quick here. Um, I generally like to put them wide. I'm on kind of a stereo harmony kick. I've been, I used to like them mono for many, many years. And just in the last year, if a harmony is in stereo, it kind of irritates me. I like having it slightly wider than the main vocal. So I usually like to double my harmonies or artificially widen them and then put them behind a main. Or if it's a chorus, I'll split them out really hard, double them, and then stack them on the sides. I usually don't like to run harmonies up the center anymore. What what about you, Joey?
1: Lately, I've been doing a lot of stereo harmonies. I'll do mono harmonies when the layering is very complex. So if there's two harmonies... I might even potentially pan one of those harmonies a little bit to the left, like 20%, and the other harmony a little bit to the right, 20%, and just keep them mono, because if you've got multiple harmonies, then and you start doubling those multiple harmonies, you start to get a little bit too much, I feel like. Now, a benefit, though, of doing that is being able to have control, completely control over placement. I think... You know, if you've got a lower third and you've got two of those and then you've got like a higher fifth or something like that and you've got two of those, you can make like the higher harmonies 100% left right and the lower harmonies like 20% left and right. That gives you a little bit of more spatial balance and be able to better control the entire image of the vocals Altogether. That's why I do that. Yeah. But not always the right decision, you know, kind of depends on like how many guitars and synths and stuff is going on in that part.
0: Well, just because you track it doesn't mean you need to keep it. I mean, though, you should be making decisions with the big picture in mind. Yeah. But absolutely. I just, I just as a safety, I like to get doubles of harmonies for the exact reason you said. And if it just makes sense in the mix to not have, you know, to not go wide or to not. You know, to not go for that balanced sound, then you can make that decision in the mix. But I would hate to get to the mix, realize that I wanted to get it balanced, like, through that method and didn't have the tracks for it.
1: So yeah, guys, uh, we're interested to hear what you think about this episode, so after you listen to it, please go to the Private Producers Club, make a post, and let us hear your thoughts on uh, various vocal mixing and editing techniques, and if you have any additional questions, feel free to ask, we'd love to kind of expand on this topic and really just just getting started with vocals and, and maybe we can cover some more in the next episode. So, uh, Also, if you guys have any uh, questions, feel free to send us an email at jsfpodcast at gmail.com and uh, hopefully we'll see you soon.
2: Yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun. Let me just quickly add mixing vocals this month on Nail the Mix because we have a alternative rock slash poppy song and there's a lot of vocal production in it. So I'm really looking forward to harmonies and layers.
1: Yeah, we'll give you guys a little taste of uh, some of the examples of what we've been discussing and, and show you a little bit more in depth about how to mix layered vocals. So definitely do not miss that. Check it out. And if you aren't already registered, go ahead and go to the live registration page. Before January 30th, and we'll see you
0: there. The Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast is brought to you by Ibanez Guitars and Basses. Ibanez strives to make high quality, cutting edge musical instruments that any musician can afford and enjoy. Visit Ibanez.com for more info. To ask us questions, make suggestions, and interact, visit urm.academy slash podcast and subscribe
1: today.